and welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Karen Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who doesn't root, root, root for the home team. He's a journalist. That would be unprofessional. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Hey, doing good, Karen. Fresh off just sitting and doing nothing for five hours. So, <laughs> All right. So, yes, we were recording this about 7 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we could have done this 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern, and everything we talk about would have been just as relevant because the Tigers did not play on Sunday. Uh, it seemed I'm, – I'm not there, so I'm just going to throw this to you here in a second. But it seemed to be much to do about nothing from my perspective, just reading on Twitter. It threw off my entire day. I'm kind of upset about this, Cody. Uh, but I know it wasn't couldn't have been as bad with you because you you know physically there in the stadium just waiting 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 waiting. Uh, so what the hell happened? I don't know what what happened. Yeah, uh, I I don't have the full story. I mean, there's a lot of factors I'm sure that go into having it to delay a baseball game. Both teams, you know, the Tigers especially. It's at their home park. The decision ultimately tends to come down from MLB, but. Let's let's just kind of go through the timeline, all right? Last night, I'm sitting there looking at the weather, and it's showing, oh, rain might hit around 1, and it uh, looks like it's going to rain kind of from then on out. I'm like, I, I don't know if they're going to play. Get up, look at the forecast. Seems like the rain's kind of been pushed back to 3, or at least the bulk of it. It's like, all right, well, they'll, they'll you know, with the pitch clock, like, they can they can easily get in 5, five plus innings there, you know? They might, they might be able to get in the whole game. It's Matt Boyd, Logan Webb, maybe it ends up being a quick game. Um, go to the park, kind of ask AJ what he thinks, and he's like, yeah, I'm not a meteorologist. It looks like there might be an opportunity to play. Mentions that the Giants don't come back to Detroit. Kind of get the sense that these two teams are going to be intent on playing. Uh, so game time rolls around, and you start seeing storm clouds roll in. Maybe a little bit sooner than expected. Doesn't look great. Radar doesn't look great. Boom, delay. All right, and then we sat. And then we sat, and I know these things aren't perfectly predicted, but never really rained, okay? I, In my opinion, there was about 20 minutes of hard rain during the first four hours of the delay. That was kind of during the, you know, there was absolutely a window um, before it really started raining at, what, like four? And it rained hard for like 20 minutes, and then it stopped. And then it was kind of sprinkling, and then the teams met again, and then they twiddled their thumbs, and then finally I was like, I'm going to go home and let the dog out, you know? I'll, I'll come back when you guys set a start time. And not long after that, uh, they totally banged the game. So, you know, five-plus hours of a delay. Longest delay in MLB history was seven hours and 23 minutes. So for a while, I thought we were going to have history on our hands. <laughs> Uh, really would have been a momentous occasion. And just like in the case of that game, which was uh, Rangers-White Sox in 1990 in Chicago, there wasn't even a game played at all. It's going to be made up July 24th, so both teams will lose a mutual off day. Um, seems like a case of probably just overthinking things. If I had to guess, like the discussions that went on down in the tunnel or in the umpire's room probably centered around I think, I think teams today tend to be really conservative. They don't want to start a game and then have a, a interruption of play. Largely because, say they start, say Matt Boyd throws two innings, he's dealing. Okay, boom, weather delay. Well, you're not running Matt Boyd back out there. You kind of burn your starting pitcher. Both these teams just played two extra inning games. Your bullpens are already taxed. So you could be in really bad shape if there is a stoppage of play um, early early in the day. That's the best I can come up with as to why they did not at least attempt to start it earlier in in the afternoon. At the end of the day, I think it seemed like a, a case of overthinking things. A good rule of thumb, if it's not raining, maybe you should play until it starts raining, and then you can always stop. But we have evolved as a society beyond that to where we try to predict what the weather will do, and as we learned, you can't always exactly predict it. Uh, well, is it is it safe to say that if this was the Guardians, the White Sox, the Royals, they would have called it earlier? I mean, the, the timing 
like because you always have the availability of of like a you know you could do a double header or whatever i don't know the timing oh if they if they're playing another opponent i definitely think so i think you know the balance schedule the giants are already getting uh kind of hosed having to travel more because of the schedule changes i'm sure they are not thrilled about making a one-day trip back to detroit in july yeah that is true that is true all right well the game didn't happen, so therefore, the Tigers sweep. Tigers swept the Giants. Uh, <laughs> bouncing back, have, uh, currently have a three-game winning streak after taking the last game in Toronto, a game that had some drama, and then the first Giants game had some drama, and then the second one had some drama, and then I guess there was drama today, so it was kind of a drama-filled week. Uh, no <laughs> there, doubt. There, Cody. Uh, the, the big story, though obviously is the Javier Baez situation so on Thursday right and days are all running together on Thursday he yeah doesn't know how many outs there are after kind of lollygagging it initially a double and then he just goes on a fly out and to be honest like I'll just tell you because I'm you know obviously just watching the game on, on my uh, on my iPad and I'm like oh I wonder if he's tagging. Like, that's what I thought at first, you know? And uh, and then they go to second base. And I was like, of <laughs> hey, course. Yeah. And then release him. Cut him. Uh, I had a joke on Twitter the next day when he was in the lineup. I was like, I can't believe he didn't, you know, listen to calls for his resignation. I don't know if everybody knew that was a joke. Obviously, players don't resign. But anyway, uh, it was it, it – was and AJ pointed this out. It was an accumulation. It wasn't the only thing. It, it, it was an accumulation of stuff with him and also not with him. It was the right move. It was the right thing for AJ to do. The Tigers end up winning the game. It's this big story. Uh, and then he bounces back and plays well. So before we kind of get to the nitty-gritty of that, I, I kind of went in when I'm thinking about how this pod's going to go today, and I'm like, we could talk about this Javier Bias thing and be like, oh, what did we learn? You know, what did we learn? And then I figured out we didn't learn anything. I don't know if we learned anything. And I don't even know <laughs> if that's – like, I'm not even meaning that as a criticism. Like, we're, what, what is Twitter great at? Twitter is great at instant reactions, overreactions. I saw people that I know have watched more baseball than I talk about how they've never seen this before. And I'm like, okay, like – this it's it's a dumb thing but it's definitely happened like you know maybe i don't like i don't know if i could remember someone of his profile or higher uh, other than him obviously you know that hadn't it's happened then before but i was like this kind of stuff over 162 games over a handful like this stuff will happen occasionally so i thought that was dumb but uh, be honest i didn't i don't know if we really learned anything about hobby because we would all have said who is capable of this on the Tigers team, the, the base running error? You know, Javier Baez would have been probably your your leading vote-getter, right? And then we would also said, yes. who is capable, uh, if we were asked, who is capable of having this dumb mistake and then just rebounding real nicely uh, the next couple games or whatever, like and, and having some good moments and some key plays and, and, and all this stuff? We would have been... Yeah, that's probably something that Javi would do as well. Uh, it's funny, my mom, who obviously has like an elementary level of, uh, of knowledge about like the inner workings of you know sports and baseball and all that stuff, she's like, why is he in the game on Friday? I was like, well, there's 162 of them. Like, you, like, you can't really bench him the whole season, and that's the thing about baseball. Next play, next game, next day. Uh, so I just rambled on there. A lot of thoughts there, Cody. Uh, your perspective on this Javier Baez deal, especially considering I know you weren't in Toronto when it happened, but you were there the next day in the clubhouse. I'm really interested to see you wrote about how uh, how this was like a message that AJ had sent, and, and then also the the rebound of Javier Baez. So I'm just kind of curious your perspective on this, and then you know the stuff about how the team feels and 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 what you kind of witnessed with your eyes as well. Oof, lots happened the past few days. It is. It's kind of hard to synthesize. Um, 
you know, I think Javi got back at some haters with his performance this weekend. I think the Tigers as a whole got back at some haters with their performance this weekend. But you know who I think really proved some haters wrong? A.J. Hinch. Ooh, I right? like this. A.J. was starting to feel it on the social media a little bit more than ever before in his tenure as Tigers manager. Uh, I think uh, for better or for worse with Alavila gone and with Fewer people to blame. AJ is now taking more of the brunt of the blame when things go wrong. He had a, a rough bullpen day. World game Series the night manager. Before. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and again, I, I I think AJ is one of the, you know, his in-game management, late-game management is as good as anyone I've ever seen. If I had his bullpen, I'm not sure I would have responded differently in any of the decisions he's had to make recently. Bottom line, he's poor guy has very little to work with uh but one of the complaints from the fan base was kind of wanting to see aj put his foot down you have these boneheaded mistakes the day before from haas and veerling note they were not in thursday's lineup and then it happens to javi and aj can say it wasn't necessarily just about javi i mean obviously it was about the whole team but the fact is javi does make it different this is your second highest paid player this is arguably your biggest star on the team, your biggest current name on the team, um, excluding Miguel Cabrera, and a guy known for ups and downs in his level of concentration. And to pull him mid-game, to hold him accountable, uh, I think number one shows, you know, speaks to AJ's management of Javi. We talked about him going to Puerto Rico this offseason to build trust with him. Um, and there's no way the other 25 guys in that clubhouse do not take note. I mean, this is something Jim Leland was famous for throughout his career, whether it's the infamous Barry Bonds clip or players from that 2016 often talk about how he called out Pudge Rodriguez in a team meeting very early on in that season. And Pudge responded to it well, but it kind of set the whole tone, the tone for the whole team. If he's going to call out Pudge, he can call out any of us. And I, I do think those things matter. If you look at the history of the game and all these benchings, you know, from Reggie Martin and or uh, Reggie Jackson and Billy Martin, excuse <laughs> me, to um, Hanley Ramirez or Elvis Andrews or, or Andrew Jones and Bobby Cox, which ended up, you know, becoming a very fruitful relationship. They've had different outcomes. They don't always have these rah-rah endings. They don't always have happy endings. Uh, Billy Martin and Reggie Jackson hated each other until the day Billy Martin died and Reggie Jackson, you know, still says... Uh, not shy about it. Uh, yeah, not shy about his feelings on Billy Martin. And, and they may be valid. You know, the, the guy certainly has his reasons. Yeah, I think they um, are. Now, in this case, I'm not surprised at all that Baez bounced right back. Because that, that's Javi. And the unfortunate reality of his game is that when he's locked in, he's really good. There are always going to be ups and downs. But sometimes he's probably not all the way locked in. I don't think he's benefited from playing on a losing team, from playing in front of a lot of empty crowds. Look at how he played last year against the Chicago White Sox at guaranteed right field when he was getting booed. That's one of his best games of the season. The guy thrives on that sort of atmosphere or something to get, you know, get your senses a little more into it. Now, is this going to mean changes Javi's season? Eh, it's probably a little more like a, a teenager gets grounded and they, you kind of get on the straight and narrow for a week or two and then... Next Friday night rolls around, and you, you go out and you do something stupid. Uh, that, that, that's probably what we can expect here. But I think it was very nice to see this team, the team as a whole, respond, right? Uh, badly needed. When that record's at 2-9, and nine, you're like, oh, my God. And that was only 5-9, oh, and 5-9, and nine, one three in a row. Like, you know, maybe there's still hope that this can be, like, a halfway decent team, like some life. And look. That's, again, overreacting to small samples in baseball, but uh, in this small sample, A.J. Hinch looks pretty genius. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned Jim Leland. Uh, I remember, this is a quick little side note, one of, the thing, one of my required readings back in the day was 2007, Curtis Granderson, my favorite player on the Tigers of that team, had a uh, ESPN.com column, and one of the... To give you an idea of how long ago this was, one of the columns was about getting the first iPhone. Uh, so <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, he's the experience getting wow. the iPhones. But anyway, one of the things he did mention in one of these columns was that like you still had 
I think he used the word fear, but he wasn't you, like he didn't mean it in like the classical sense. Like, like Leland always had an edge to him, and we've kind of changed the way all coaches are and managers are are no different. And I don't know whether AJ quote unquote has an edge to him or not. I'm not going to speak to that either way because all I do is just see what he does, you know, decision wise. Um, but that kind of stuff does matter, especially over the course of the year. You're managing all these personalities, all these different points of these guys' career. I mean, you know, basketball coach got like 12, 14, 15, you know, however, G League stuff, whatever, to deal with. You know, an NFL head coach probably doesn't have that much day-to-day with the whole roster. Uh, but manager, you're sharing a locker room with them every day. You know, like, there, there's got to be a certain – it's just different. And, again, there's so many games, so many decisions that have to be made. And I just want to put the, the stats out there real quick. He had two hits in each of the games against the Giants. Uh, obviously, the big one was that double, the 12-pitch at bat that brought them within one, I believe. Uh, yeah, and, and then eventually he scored uh, when Torque uh, yeah. got just enough uh, to get over get over the infield. But – an, a, like a perfect example of like the hobby discourse on Tiger's Twitter. This will tell me if this can be topped. So he has a twelve pitch at bat where he fouls off however many, and it results in a two run, I believe, double. It's a it's a it's a missile down the down the left field. Sparks this rally. And we gotta talk about the pitches that he fouled off that he should have like hit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and look, if you want to go grand scheme of things, you want him to tee those uh, those hangers up. Yes, I'm not disputing that. But like in the moment, it's like, yeah, but he left like four or five over the plate that he should have, you know, whatever. I was like, oh my gosh, what's like? Come on, people! Like, what are we doing here? So, so anywho, I, I thought. Torgelson's quote, I believe it was post-game, maybe it was pre-game Friday, Torgelson's quote saying, it's like, you know, it was the right move. I thought that showed A.J. Hinch has the respect of the clubhouse that, uh, you know, a player is going to side with the with the coach over something, not that they were feuding, but something that was against, like, your most high-profile guy, like you said. I mean, I think that was as important as anything for indicators into the clubhouse. And then I thought... I don't know. It seems to me like Javi handled it well. I watched a couple of the clips. You know, it was kind of funny seeing him with the sunglasses and the hat. You know, you described it in your story. You can read it on The Athletic if uh, if you're a subscriber. Uh, just kind of talking about it. He did go a little bit old man on my lawn thing, which is kind of funny when guys do it that aren't that old. But, uh, but you know, about talking about people on Twitter or whatever, which I understand. But, I don't know. It seems to me he handled it well. It was I think it was also very important. Like, there's an analogy for your line of work, Cody, is that, like, if you have an encounter with someone that's maybe not pleasant or you write something about somebody that's not positive or whatever, the number one rule of being a beat reporter is you got to go there the next day and essentially, A, have your presence felt, and B, like, give the person the opportunity to really just kind of give you an earful, you know? Like, that's the thing. It's always about how you respond, and there's... There, there was never, there was not any way better for him to have done that uh, this week. So I thought, I thought it was encouraging. But again, I didn't learn anything. Like I, 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 this was, this was very much in the line of possibility of things that could happen. And yeah, I texted a couple of buddies. I was like, what? Should he just get like benched like once a week? Like I don't, like I, I don't. I don't, I don't, the, the, the lapse in judgment will come here. It was interesting, like, again, <laughs> I want to give him credit for everything here, so I'm trying to remember all this stuff. I Post-game on Thursday, I believe it was Thursday, or maybe it was pre-game Friday, again, I, the, everything kind of runs together. He did say, he did kind of, like, explain it. Like, he was like, oh, are you going to push back on that? Uh, we do have to talk about nothing Javi said made any sense at all he, he, he was he was there he talked he did not question aj's decision but his rationale is had to do because he was hitting sixth he thought he was the third 
Like, well, I mean, I was going to laugh about the, the hitting six part. I, 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 uh, <laughs> and then, you know, I mean, that, I mean, that was, that was, that was out there a little bit. And then he said, if I had seven homers, I wouldn't have gotten benched, which that's pretty might hilarious true, to say, but actually. Still, yeah, well, <laughs> didn't read well. Yeah, you know? Javi, yeah. we live in a society where the better you are at stuff, the more you get away with, like... <laughs> Which is the the whole thing with Javi Baez's career. He's gotten away with a lot because he's been good. And when he's not playing well, all the peripheral stuff with Javi comes into focus real quick. And that's that Well, remember the hard. spring training quote about, like, in my mind, I responded to the hitting coaches or whatever. Uh, <laughs> the hitting coaches. Uh, so there, there's that. a great example. That, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate his honesty. Yeah, sure. I hope he stays and honest. I, but, like, you know? in terms of somebody who myself could have lapses in, conver- uh, in, in concentration, like, I, I, I do buy the art of I just – I wasn't thinking anything beyond getting, you know, like, the at-bat, and then after that I was just, I was just dumb. Like, I, like I, not to say that that's a great quality to have, but I, I, I buy that as something that could feasibly happen. And again, this stuff, it's he's not the first person to ever do this, all right? I will say this, though. I will say this. I don't know the last time I saw – I'm kind of doing something I just criticized earlier. I don't know the last time I saw someone get thrown out trying to steal second base, not sliding. I don't know – I think that was, I mean, they. I, I don't know which is worse. There are some arguments on Twitter, like, which is worse, that or, or Haas's mistake. Uh, I almost think, like, I almost think Haas's mistake running on a ball clearly in front of him was the worst. Like, the, the, the Veerling play was probably aesthetically the worst. When yeah. you just see that, it's like, what are we doing here? Veerling, you know, had had some answer about he, he thought he heard contact, but he couldn't find the ball or whatever, and he just... He just kind of didn't know what was going on and and played the sport. Like, I believe that doesn't excuse it. Doesn't mean he shouldn't be held accountable for it. But like you just said, that's a pretty good example of you're in the game and you just kind of get caught up and you just, you just have a, a big brain fart. So what happened to Veerling? Haas is more of just a reaction, right? You don't even have time to think when that ball is hit. Uh, but that is trained and practiced a million times and he just had the wrong reaction. That, that that's why that's almost worse and the but the bias thing is the one that like in a major league stadium how do you not know how many outs you are when, when you reach base you should always know i mean i'm, I'm assuming right? good old and, gary and jones knows game knows that. pick in mouth gave him some sort of number you know either but yeah that's part of it you know i ideally but he shouldn't like you were in a, you were you were not in at your local high school field. You're in a major league stadium. You have scoreboards all around. You can look up and see how many outs there are if there are, if there happens to be any doubt. Um, so that that's just something that that certainly is they all were. Simple. And I don't know uh, which is worse. They were all three terrible mistakes. You this is sort of I came up with this line before you wrote the story about you know the message that AJ Hinch sent and all that stuff. But basically, there's been several instances this year where AJ's made a decision, whether it be a pitching change or a lineup decision or, you know, the, the benching of Javi. Like, and we don't curse on this podcast, so you're going to have to just imagine what I'm trying to say. The not fucksin' around club, F-U-X-I-N, didn't curse. The not fucksin' around club. Like, he is, like, we're, we're not messing around here. We're not just kind of duly, you know, going through the motions. Like, I I think the, the benching wasn't the first time I thought, oh, he's he, he he's not just kind of here for the paycheck, you know. Not that I ever thought he was, but, you know, he, he's active. He is actively trying to win games. We talked about it a little bit, like, not giving, what was it, Joey Wentz on Saturday, not giving him any room. It's like, all right, boy. You're gone. And Saturday being uh, the second game of the of the home series against the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that I, I thought that if you're looking for other encouraging signs, and I feel like we've been a little more on the negative side, so I want to talk about Friday and Saturday just in general here in a second. But uh, if you're looking for other stuff with AJ Hinch, who yes, as you, as you pointed out the story and earlier has has been getting it a little bit. Um, from Tigers fans, uh, this guy's not laying down for anything, and and I think and I think that's great. And obviously, this team needs it. And look, small sample size, 
a three-game win streak is a three-game win streak when you start out 2-9, all right, against Toronto and San Francisco. So we got to give credit to AJ here just overall in general because I think his button pushing right now is on point. It is. You know, I, I think a good way, like, and there's this perception that AJ always gets a pass for everything, and I, I don't think that's a thousand percent true. I think he gets the benefit of the doubt in a lot of cases because he, he, he earned it based on the 2021 team. I think maybe it's Pat Caputo who said this. A lot of Tigers had bad years last year. Jamer Candelario and Jonathan Scope. And, and I think it's fair to say A.J. Hinch had a bad year. As a manager, he, he just didn't have his best year. All right. Um, and when the team does continue to play sloppy, although that's not directly in the manager's control, it's certainly absolutely a reflection upon the manager. So when you see this team come out of the gate just looking horrible, making all sorts of mistakes, it, it, it's like, you know, if the Tigers lose 100 games, it's hard to continue to to uh, constantly be like, no, AJ's not doing anything wrong. Uh, but again, how do you respond? Uh, AJ has absolutely hit the right button since then. I think his in-game management of a very bad bullpen has been good. I think it's fair to say AJ Hinch is off to a pretty good start to this year. Yeah, absolutely. Just in general, Cody, uh, we'll, 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 let's talk about the the San Francisco games. Uh, by the way, the the Apple broadcast continue to just they're I they don't talk about not pushing the right buttons. They just don't know what they're trying to do here with the, with their broadcast. I know you're at the game, you're not necessarily watching it, but it's just it, it, it's just. Yeah, I don't fun fun fact here. You t- Curtis Granderson wrote a column about getting the first iPhone. I believe Riley Green got a new iPhone in exchange hey, for Green to be mic'd up. That's just where we're at, you know. <laughs> Which was Riley. Riley held up his phone and was like, oh, this thing's from like 1978, you know, it sucks. And I was like, bro, I know you're not hurting for cash. You, you could have gone out and got yourself a new phone a Shout while back. Being whatever, man. Uh... I, I think, okay, uh... I don't know. I think he's actually still in his parents' phone plan. I think he alluded to that at one point in spring, which is <laughs> which is amazing. Out. Do it as long as you can. Uh, <laughs> stay stay on the parents' health care plan as well. Um, so <laughs> the atmosphere, and I'm you know, not to say that it was a great crowd atmosphere, obviously, because the team's coming off some you know, it's not been a good stretch. But in terms of the intensity of these games, and you know, I. I don't know. Have you ever seen back-to-back eleven inning games like uh, in person? I, I would probably wager not. Uh, extra inning games, definitely. I don't know if they both win eleven. I've seen back-to-back walk-offs for Tigers did it in I think twenty-one, but not extra inning walk-offs. Yeah, and fair to say, a rare both kind of different too. Which was you know funny that they ended the same way. Uh, just in general, is since we didn't have a game Sunday, they're coming off. They're coming off, you know, two extra inning wins against a quality ball club. Uh, you know, is there anything to take away? Uh, Here's one of my takeaways. Ooh. Not to be negative, but San Francisco hey. Giants are not very good, man. <laughs> it, and you look at that. It, sure, I'll say it. And it's like, all right. Uh, who had a lo- Who had a hand in building this team? You know, Scotty Harris and it. Their model worked very well in 21, not so well last year. You know, I think they went all into thinking they were going to get Aaron Judge this offseason. It didn't happen, but um, just glancing up and down that roster, man, it's it's kind of a lot of disjointed parts. The Farhan Zaidi, Scott Harris, waiver wire magic has kind of only gotten them so far, it seems like. Uh, so I think it was a reminder that when the Tigers play a little more of an evenly matched opponent, not named the Rays or, I mean, they won a series against the Astros and the Red Sox aren't very good either, but the Giants were like a little more on their competition level, I think. And that, sh- that shined through. Um, it was great that the Tigers won and played with energy and were, were fun, but the Giants bullpen was equally terrible and their four-time Gold Glove shortstop gifted them that the Saturday was, game. That was know? insane. That was bro. wild. Yeah, I felt well. First of all, before before the series of errors, I was kind of looking at him. I think it was at bat the first time. I was like, man, his body doesn't. You know, he wasn't always the thinnest guy, but I was like, he's, he's a little big for a shortstop right now. You know, mm. and 
and that yeah, not to say that that you know he's out of shape and that's why he made <laughs> these errors or whatever but yeah that was insane um i will say this though i will say this and then we'll kind of get on to some other topics if you're if we're supposed to kind of come down emotionally because you know maybe the giants aren't that good that's fine however if you're going to tell me that the Tigers had the scratch and claw to get out of a series against Toronto after all these things had gone on, and, and we'll talk about that in a second, you know, I, okay, cool, that, that's a good thing. And then, all right, so they had a bounce back the next day, guy was benched, star player, pro, high-profile player, comes through, you win in extras, all right, yeah, that's cool. It, your offseason acquisition hits a home run when you're down and down to your final out. Let's not forget about that part. We'll get to that later, too. And then the next game, you also go to extras with this major comeback, and the franchise icon comes in, pinch hitting, doesn't have that many at-bats left, just in general. It's his last year, and and, and gets a hit and to, to walk it off. And you take advantage of the other team's mistake, too, with that did they call that a wild pitch or a pass ball? That should have been a pass. That's, a wild pitch, I believe. Can I get 30 seconds on this? That's horse crap. That is it. a pass ball. <laughs> the pitch was a curveball in the dirt. That was what was called. And that was what was thrown. And it got past the catcher. They don't want to do this because they don't want to give people errors. That is a pass ball. He knew what was coming. And he did not, like, I'm sorry. I, I just think we, 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 give out way too many wild pitches i don't know why i feel so strongly about this but you watch that replay and tell me the catcher didn't mess up there and and then we can have a, a discussion if you really think he didn't mess up that the pitcher put him in a bad position it went between his legs yeah i i would actually have to go back and watch it um you know my view from behind home plate it was hard to tell and there was a million things going on there and and so i never went back and looked at it yeah it, it was, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. That is a pass ball, not a wild pitch. I don't know why I feel so strongly about this, but I do. All right. <sighs> Rant over. Uh, so, so anyway, the larger point I was trying to make there is that if you do all these things and you come out on top, you should feel good and the Tigers should feel good and we should feel better about the Tigers having accomplished these things than what it was looking like. I thought, I, ooh, what was this podcast going to be like, you know, <laughs> on Wednesday, Thursday? And now there's a yeah. lot more fun yeah. stuff to talk about. So I want to I do believe in giving credit. They responded well and finished the week on a three-game win streak. I mean, like, given the status of what I saw in Detroit and then what happened in the beginning of Toronto, I can't say I really thought we would get here. And, and, and you know, like, an, another good thing that came out this week, Cody, was Spencer Turnbull, a guy who, you know, we were really hyped on before the season and was still kind of, I would say, finding his footing uh, is a way to put it. And he went out against Toronto in that, the hobby bench game. <laughs> and, and really was the Spencer Turnbull we expected to see. He had six strikeouts. He allowed one run on six hits. He he went to he, he got through five. I think it was it didn't always look like he was gonna get through the fifth. And and he kept them in a position to where they were gonna eventually win that game. So I think it's worth noting that Spencer Turnbull this week had his most encouraging outing of the season as he's, you know, returning from Tommy John and this is a guy that showed why you and I were so hyped about him coming back as essentially a free agent addition from this team. Yeah, no doubt. I think, you know, he, he got through that fifth. He got through some big spots at times. His stuff looked better. Still clearly not uh, a thousand percent back from Tommy John, but he's learning to pitch without that a stuff, as I've mentioned before. And I think that is as important as anything. I mean, I just think there's still a lot of good signs with Turnbull. There is, and to me, that's the kind, like, I would have believed that outing, like, he was capable of that at any time, but if you told me that that kind of outing was going to happen in, I don't know, let's say, like, May, I'd been like, ooh, man, I don't, that's going to be, 
against a really tough lineup, man. I think if I were a major league pitcher and it was like one team you don't want to face, I might choose the Blue Jays because they just have Well, the amount of times that I heard Dan Dickerson say, and he's got a face, and he'll list them out. (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) man, this is is tough. But I think this will be great for Turnbull's, like, mindset. I'm glad, like, he can have an outing like this early in the season because he was always going to be capable of it, but he could – it could have happened at a time where like his individual season was more lost than not and or the team is more lost than not and and this was a great spot for him to have it uh you know going on the road maybe has something to do with it you get a little bit you know a little bit more edgy the word of the podcast today apparently uh you get a little bit more edgy when you know it's a road <laughs> game and you know the the fans are really wanting to go for the sweep and all that stuff so uh credit to him also, credit to the bullpen, the much maligned bullpen. Uh, uh, I literally, again, talk about things change over the course of a week. I was coming in thinking, oh boy, we're going to have to have like a really long, serious discussion about the bullpen. And we still are, but the tone is going to change because there's a narrative out there that this was a mess up by Scott Harris, the construction of this bullpen. And 11 games into the season, there was a lot of evidence to support that. And there still is evidence to support that. But we also got to give Fetter, Hinch, and these guys a lot of credit. Because, again, I just, I'm just i just talking about, let's just go back to the, la- the the Javi bench game. You put Shrive in there. You put Foley Shreve. in there. Shreve, I'm sorry. You put Shreve in there and Cisnero and Lang. That's that's your your version of uh, Murderer's Row a little bit, uh, <laughs> and and then seven scoreless on Saturday, uh, which we're probably not gonna get to Michael Lorenzen. Uh, obviously not not great not great Bob, uh, but I will give him credit for the way he finished it because I don't think if he if he finishes it like if he lapses more they're not obviously winning that game but hard to give a guy credit for giving up six runs uh but i don't you said something last week about the bullpen where you were like i think by like late summer aj is gonna have like the yeah. the you know have the right buttons the right combinations and all that stuff and i thought oh late summer please no Please, please, no. Now I want to say that he's gotten a better pulse. We're not going to say this is a finished product about bringing these guys in, but I'll just say it like this. Uh, Who do you think leads the team in war this season, Cody? Oh, God. I don't don't even know. Foley. My guess would be Jason. Foley. (laughs) It's not a great sign, but Foley's been pretty good. (laughs) Foley is .5. This is according to the reference. Uh, and Shreve, right? Am I, or is there, yeah, okay, yeah. Shreve uh, also, is, he's tied for second at point three. So, and 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 Lang's put strung together some, some and Cisnero was uh, key in a key, uh, key better. in a key spot. Because uh, initially what I wanted to kind of talk about was did, was this a an error by Scott Harris, the way that he constructed this bullpen, obviously shipping out Jimenez and Soto? Or was it the drawback, the ramification of his larger plan of acquiring major league hitters uh, via the trades, or I guess technically just one trade, but a guy who probably will be in the ma- major leagues this year, and Jay Hen, and just kind of like wanting to not emphasize the strong bullpen as like the strength of your team when you can't hit for squat. Uh, I tend to think it's a ramification, not a mistake. I don't think Scott, when it like had a blind eye to like the unproven arms, the shipping away, uh, what it means to get rid of three all-stars combined and Soto and Jimenez not resigning shape the, the former like you know there's a lot of second guessing that went into uh scott harris this week in regards to the bullpen and it's warranted don't get me wrong but i also think like yeah you know like it, I, I 
I think it was just a ramification. I think it was the opportunity cost uh, of the way he went about this roster. Uh, that kind of line there, mistake or just opportunity cost. Where where do you kind of align there? I don't think opportunity cost is the right word. I mean, I think I said this last week, trading Soto and Jimenez is definitely the right move. I think it's what I would have done as a GM. You had some valuable assets who, um, in the case of Jimenez, only one more year of team control. In the case of Soto, he's like a closer. Are you, do you really, how important is the closer when you're probably not going to win that many games and you trade him and you get controllable young hitters? I think that's a great model. And right now it looks like Scott crushed the Soto trade. Um, the question is like, why were Soto and Jimenez and Fulmer and Chafin not replaced with anyone else, any other major league relievers, guys on major league contracts? Why did you not re-sign Andrew Chafin, who ended up signing for less than his, his opt-out value with Arizona Diamondbacks? Um, I don't know that we ever really gotten answers to those questions, and to be fair... Uh, that wasn't one of the things that us in the media were really asking about at winter meetings or in spring training. A lot of the focus was on like, what's going on at third base? What was your thought in not signing major league hitters? And I think the same principle applies here. Like clearly the Tigers went with more of like the, their Kroger brand, you know, in terms of the guys they, you know, the, the Shrees Meyer and the Winginners and the Meyer brand, whatever your, your off brand of choice is rather than getting, uh, kind of a tier above that they did it the same in the in the lineup as well they didn't they didn't sign major league hitters um so that makes me question like okay what was the budget construction here why is their payroll lesser than it was last year um those are things that we'll probably never fully know the answers to um i do think it's fair to say you probably could have brought in would have killed you to spend six million more on the bullpen and give yourself one more guy or like two more guys I think those one or two guys would go a pretty long way um that said one of the reasons i think it was a little bit of the long game thinking what's most important it's the position group can we get by going a little cheaper on the bullpen and the answer is probably yes now then when you see it trotted out at the start of this year and it's like oh this is worse than we even thought especially if cisnero is not throwing well i think that's part of it you can bank on cisnero being a, a Quality eighth inning guy, yeah, we're feeling pretty good. If Cisneros like worthless, changes the complexion of everything. And Lang hasn't been as sharp as maybe you you assumed he would be. And then you got you know, kind of this wheel of Englert who right now looks like a solid Rule Five pick, but Alexander who's not been very good. You know, I think they really wanted Bo Brisky to be like a power multi inning reliever, and he's hurt. I don't know when we're gonna see him, although. Maybe that's not as bad as, as the first vibes we got. Uh, Garrett Hill, but no, I, I, I think it was a flawed construction. I, I don't know that Scott Harris has to be like crucified for it because at the end of the day, it's like a bullpen on a team that was probably not going to be very good in the first place. But I don't think it was the most well-constructed bullpen of all time by any means. I think it was a, a, a poorly constructed bullpen. I mean, look, everything you said there uh, makes a lot of sense uh, to me. I just think you can't you can't get everything in one off season. Now, yes, it's easy to say like the the Chafin thing. You probably that was probably something that he himself probably missed uh, missed his market, you know. And then the Fulmer stuff. It's like, is anyone? See, I would say this. I, I would say this to the people that are like the loudest with the the megaphones here it's like if fulmer's back there if chavin's back there are you 100 percent the other end of your feelings about the bullpen probably not uh so here's here's just a little inside information i can't offer according to sources with knowledge of the the situation like Tigers and Chafin met at the end of the year, and it was they the, the team told Chafin like, "Hey, we really like you, but we don't think we can right now set aside these resources for the bullpen. Like, we're, we're that's gonna be kind of the last thing we do this offseason. We'll circle back and we'll see how much of the the budget or whatever is left, and and see what things look like then." Um, 
into the into the offseason came around and the Tigers spent nothing with the bullpen. So I don't know why they made that choice because they didn't spend on position players either. But yeah, the the the, the, I know. the general the general salary thing is the most troublesome. I, I, like I, I would consider that more of a concern than the actual like you know the guys you brought in. Like were you actually trying to go cheap because that's deeper than trying to find serviceable guys that have been overlooked you see what i'm saying yeah uh like your your mindset going in really matters to me but at the same time again yesterday they were seven innings no no runs uh let's not pretend here there's no potential with these guys you know what I mean? I do. And, that is what I, I try to note with, like, by the end of the summer, I bet this gets figured out. Trey Wingener could still end up being a great kid. Yes. Right now, it's just real, real rough. And you have to assume that if, like, Cisnero, excuse me, like, maybe he, he'll find himself some resemblance of his form, and maybe he has already, and I, I, I... I I mean, I'm just biased because he's another Texas guy or whatever, but I keep being – I know he gave up the bomb, all right, but I keep being encouraged by Engler because how did he respond? He responded pretty well. He he responded pretty well. Fastball doesn't super play for me, but the the off-speed's pretty good. Like, I'm not not wowed by his stuff. But, you know, he's got some mental fortitude to him, clearly. I think in the context of a Rule 5 pick – Pretty good. You know, not normally again. I like him. I like him better than Ronnie Garcia. Yo, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I. No offense, Ronnie, but I, I, I'm not like missing him coming into the game, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, for we're going to talk, you know, this is all everything affects everything type deal or whatever, but starting pitching was better this week. I like just in general, I thought, and uh, with some exceptions. Uh, which, which will always well, yeah wince was good uh eduardo was a more eduardo-esque star turnbull was pretty good really just lorenz and had a, had a rough one yeah and i thought manny was okay like uh like like it wasn't it didn't inspire me but it didn't get me thinking all right well we're gonna talk about matt manning this week uh we won't be talking about him for a few weeks unfortunately yeah. he is on the aisle with a foot fracture yes unfortunate unfortunate break you know and this guy as manning says he needs time he needs innings he needs development and that kind of gets knocked out it's not because of an arm injury this time it's because you got you got hit with a comeback there it sucks that sucks for Matt. can we make a rule maybe you can give this to tigers uh pr and see if they they like it um i would just really like it if after a pitcher suffers some sort of injury, they didn't just say, I'm going to make my next start. Because I I, <laughs> I, I, I think the Tigers might be over a lot in the past couple years. I believe Casey Mize was going to uh, make oh, his like, next start. Oh, Mize, Scoogle, Scoogle definitely was. Like, uh, I mean, I guess that's probably just like the athlete's mindset. Sure, sure, you know, it's sure. not the team saying it. We go up to these guys yeah. and you're like, so how do you feel? Oh, pretty good. Like, how good do you think you'll make your next start? Oh yeah, I think it's these guys in the moment trying to trying to be tough guys, and and they want to believe they're gonna make their next and start. Even, uh, Unfortunately, it does look ridiculous after yeah. a while. <laughs> even Lorenzen, uh, I was listening to the like the pre broadcast interview uh, before his start, and it was like, oh yeah, the groin's been good for a while. They just you know, it's oh just in like- spring training, he thought he was gonna make his next spring training outing. <laughs> It's just so like you're a pitcher. It's a groin injury. No, you're not. That one in the moment, I was like, even if it does feel good, just out of caution, like you're not making your next spring outing, bud. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I okay. So I I got a little. I wouldn't say I, I got a little pushback from my Wentz thing where I asked. I didn't say is it time to give up on him. I said, uh, was the air out of his sails? Uh, is basically what I said. If Matt Manning doesn't get hurt, he would have gone down for Lorenzo. Okay. Most likely. Probably like almost surely. Okay, well, and that's that's just how things. Are. And credit to Wentz for you know bouncing back though, because you know showing the and also credit to him for uh, being the in dugout interview, which I actually don't like those. I don't really think they serve a whole lot of purpose. Normally terrible. Yes, uh, but Verlander used to want to do it because he was a good luck charm for a rally or whatever, and and. It was uh, who hit the home run when uh, that sparked the oh Kerry Carpenter right Kerry Carpenter hit a, hit the home run so uh, shout out to Wentz for helping the team even when he is not playing so 
overall, starting pitching wise, I was encouraged. And then you end the week the way you do with the bullpen, and I, and I was and I was pretty happy with it. That a lot of guys stepped up, and especially like the extra inning stuff when you got the runner on second, and like it's it's just a it's 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 a it's a it's a completely di- even if you inherit runners when you just come in in general, this it, it it's extra innings. It's different. All right, and credit to AJ again. This has been a very pro AJ podcast. I'm okay with that, um, with with how he how he dialed things up and Feder and the whole pitching staff and and all that stuff. All right. Uh, speaking of things that affect pitching, is it time, Cody, to be concerned with air costs? Because the, the he's in the lineup almost every day. And as of now, it's not really hitting. And I would add, is Jake Rogers actual catcher number one? I know, I know, AJ doesn't do number one catchers. I was about to say, let, let me let me give an AJ answer. No, it's well, we don't really, you know, actually, it's not about labels. I, I, I know I threw a lot of things out you out here. Here, here. Here's the scenario I wanted to actually ask you, okay? Who is closer to the actual like kind of lazily role that we just loop guys into as fans and as media to try to classify these guys. Alex Lang, ninth inning closer. Jake Rogers, number one catcher. Who is closer to the actual role? Yeah, I'd say right now probably Jake Rogers. And I'll frame it this way. Like I, I was talking to a scout um, when the Tigers were playing – Gosh, I guess it was still the Red Sox series. And he was like, I feel like more of the reps are going to start going to Jake. And I was like, yeah, probably so. And he was like, yeah, the, like, like by the end of the year, like it's it's going to be pretty heavy on Jake. And that's that is the best way to phrase it is that's where it's trending. Jake is slowly going to start getting more and more time behind the plate if he continues to hit. And defensively, he's light years better than, than Haas. And so that's really what it's going to come down to and why this playing time is going to going to change its distribution a little bit. And the reality, I mean, even though Haas is bad, it's been cold, he's still getting in the lineup. Meadows being gone allows him to play left field more. That has happened, like I speculated about last week. Uh, not overly concerned about his bat. From I haven't looked into like the data really, but it seems like his at bat quality has been fine. Like he, he just hasn't really got going yet. Uh, say so give him a little longer before we we really start worrying there. Um, it's more of an indictment. Like Jake Rogers has been playing super super well. Jake Rogers has more starts at catcher. Now I know it's not that mm-hmm. simple because obviously Haas has played more games, but I I, I don't like. I, who just looks more comfortable behind the plate? It's obviously Rogers. You know what I mean. And mm-hmm. and even at the plate, Rogers. I'll phrase it this way: the difference in just looking at it, comfortable how comfortable they are behind the plate, Rogers to Haas is greater than in the batter's box between the two of them. I don't think Rogers looks overwhelmed at the plate. You know what I mean. And not to say I'm not saying Haas is overwhelmed as a catcher. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like Rogers in the lineup. I'm not thinking. All right, AJ just had to choose a day to give up a you know give up a lineup spot, which was the yeah. concern for Rogers' career until essentially he had the Tommy John surgery and he's picked up where he left off. To me, I'm kind of looking at him as catcher number one. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of I, I kind of think he's catcher one, and I know it doesn't actually matter. But, like, who's a Tigers catcher? Someone just asked me that. I'd probably say, like, oh, it's Jake Rogers. You know, he wasn't the opening fair. day catcher. But, but like, if yeah. you, uh, who's a Tigers catcher? I'd probably say Jake Rogers. So, credit to him. And, yeah, I do believe Haas will figure it out. But the longer it takes them to figure it out at the plate, the more, the more challenging it is going to be to kind of put these lineups together. For AJ, I believe, because you want, because in theory, the theory of Haas is you're going to play him a lot, almost every day, but you're especially going to put him in there against a left-handed pitcher. Mm-hmm. And I'm not overreacting to the error in the outfield or whatever, but if it's one of those things where if you were to 
say like, all right, well he's not hitting, and then you put him in left field, and then he can't feel like if that was a hobby play <laughs> to kind of bring it full circle, uh, we we we'd be all over it. Uh, but I, it, it's something I want to watch because where's I, I'm always curious where AJ's putting these guys in the lineups because I I think there's a there's a lot there with how he views these guys in these matchups. There's some variance there. Uh, I did love his quote today about Riley Green about uh, you know I just think he's a really good player. I don't care if he's 0 for 20 the previous 20 or 10 for 20 the previous 20. I just think he's a really good player. I did like that. I did like. You know, his use of Kerry Carpenter. I believe he would have bat cleanup today, if I remember correctly. Uh, Nick Maton was oh, hitting cleanup. Oh, that's, I, I was really interested to see Sunday's well, another Do lean off Maton. Maton, a guy we'll get so to in a second, but like uh, a guy who's been all over the top half of the lineup, I would say, and then back half if he's coming in for a pinch hit situation. Uh, okay, so speaking of Kerry Carpenter, is this. Is this just an example? You talked about the meteorologists and Major League Baseball and the umpires kind of overthinking things. I ask you this. Did we overthink Kerry Carpenter? Because I, I said at one point during spring training, one of our spring training pods, and I was like, you know, there really wasn't anything wrong with Kerry Carpenter, you know, having him in the lineup. Uh, you know, the feeling's a different question, but there really wasn't anything wrong with him. He did perform like you thought a guy who raked his way through the minors unexpectedly just because of his draft position uh he performed like that and when the final roster came out i i said at the time it's like well they just viewed his tool as more valuable than what badu brought to the uh brought to the team and that's fair but now badu's up you get both of them in the lineup i i do actually chuckle every time that they're both in the lineup it's like we we spent so much time on this and then they're just like Three weeks into the season, they're they're. they're I was gonna say, I, I think if there's anything we overthought, it's like it's like, oh, you can't have Carpenter and Badu. Like now you have them both, and it looks pretty good. You know, it kind of works. You, you get the best of both worlds. It's working fine. Um, I yeah, I think if we overthought anything, it was that it, it had to be one or the other. In terms of Carpenter, like I'm still like on the fence a little bit it's like okay does he does he really have anything other than a hit tool but good as the hit tool and then it's like okay he has 151 career plate appearances and his ops plus is 125 that's really good that's better than riley green you know um guy's kind of raking right now granted batting average is only 212 um he's probably going to continue to get pitched harder and harder the league's going to adjust that's but the metrics are really good as expected stats are actually higher than just the pure batting average you probably should have had um, four home runs this week yeah yeah just barely missed one um so yeah and got one robbed um i want to see a little more and but right now guy deserves his lineup spot yeah it's to the point right now where like, if I just had, like, some relationship with AJ and he wasn't in the lineup, I'd be like, so why? <laughs> like, he's, he's a why guy yeah. to me. It's like, so why is he not in the lineup again? And then I'll just say it right now, my AJ Hinch suggestion box. Uh, can we teach this guy to play first base? Can, can we idea. can we do Perfect. some can we do, can we do some things to make him more available in the lineup? I guess technically you don't have to now because of the Meadows injury, which, uh, side note, uh, Nice to see him in the dugout. Uh, yeah, I, I assume he was walking around the clubhouse and all that stuff. Nice to see him there. You just never know how this stuff goes with people and how they, you know, what what kind of state he's in. So uh, great to see yeah, him, like, sure. you know, being just like every other injured player mm -hmm. and just like there and part of the team and all that stuff. I hope that everything's going well for him in, in that department. But, but Kerry Carpenter, you're going to have to give me a reason why he's not in the lineup when he's not. And to be honest, I'm not really going to care if it's a uh, left-handed pitcher. I just don't care about that. I've decided that's my stake. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm going on a limb of that, about that stuff. I just do not wow. care. Also, I don't care. I don't care. Just put your best hitter out there. I like my chances better than just because of, you know, you see the ball the same side. Okay. We, All right, so. Are, are we going to get to Kreidler? We, we do have to get to Kreidler. Yeah, yeah, that, right. that's where we're going I was right gonna now. Say, I was going to say, I. Right now. 
talked about some things we were wrong about. Like last week I said, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of Kreidler. We're going to figure out if that bat can play. And I was wrong when I said that he was not getting in the lineup, which I think makes me right with my take all spring training. That, like <laughs> he probably could benefit from at bats in triple a, like he's a good player, but you know, if he's just going to be this utility guy, are you, are, are you really going to carry him on the roster? Are you really going to carry him just for his defense? Um, push came to shove. You had to bring up a position player. Kreidler gets optioned, and I do. I think it's like, okay, I feel like he kind of just wasted two weeks of Ryan Kreidler's life because he got all of 18 at-bats. Like, you know, he just he just wasn't playing a lot. And granted, he wasn't hitting a lot. But granted, he only got 18 at-bats, you know. And in his his rare games in the field, he was he was terrific. Um, I think it's going to be a lot better for him to go play every day in Toledo for a minute. If a lot of people get their uh, predictions right about what's going to happen to Jonathan Scope, favorite podcast topic, uh, if Jonathan and Scope didn't exist, Kryler would still be on yeah. this uh, this roster. So that 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 has to do. With uh, it. I and, and I still... think that tells you a lot. I think that Tiger's choices were DFA Jonathan Scope or option Ryan Kryler or option Zach McKinstry who. Shout out, had a couple pretty nice games this past week. Yeah. Um, and that tells you that some of their thinking with Scope, if they were ready to just cut bait with Scope, it, it probably would have happened now. Instead, they optioned Kreidler. I have to think, you know, give Scope a little longer. Can he hit? You have a chance. I don't know that you're going to get anything for Jonathan Scope in a trade, but maybe you can recoup some sort of value. There's the whole thing about setting a precedent with veterans. I'll say if it was in the Tigers' immediate plans to DFA Jonathan Scope, it would have happened this weekend. And so now I don't Good know point. what the timeline looks like from here. He is going to have to produce at some point, but they chose to option their young guy instead of instead of Cup Bait. Good point. All right, uh, we have a couple updates. We've mentioned them here and there uh, throughout the podcast, but we have some HKG updates. It can't not be Nick Maton for the walk-off home run. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm watching. I'm watching the game, and they show like a like a camera shot real close in, and he's got this. I don't know how to describe it. He's he's got this like. Uh, it's not a smirk, but it's like you know, it's bottom of the eleventh. There's two runners on. There's two outs, and he just kind of got this face like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know, like he's like, yeah, whatever, I got this. Like, and, and I remember thinking that, and I wrote it down at the time. I said, Maton face, because uh, I knew I was gonna, you know, the, I had to come back to this. And then he crushes the ball, and it's a great moment. It's a lot of fun. Uh, he's gotta be number one. I'll tell you, yeah. Flowers for Zach McKinstry. He's number two right now. Like he had the he had the the extra base hit to spark the rally on Saturday. He is used all over the field, and the fact that he is hitting forced Kreidler an hour south. I mean, that's really what it was. Yeah, is that uh, McKinstry sent Kreidler south because he was hitting? So credit to scott harris credit to aj and credit to zach mckinstry he's he still loves that ground ball to second base like i don't know if he's gonna be able to quit that like a bad habit but when but i see the merit now so flowers for mckinstry and we also got a shout out yeah i'm still not sure i love zach mckinstry as a roster piece i'm looking at his numbers and his average exit velocity is still like 84.5 his ground ball rate is uh what 57.9 percent. he's hitting 188 against fastballs i'm not seeing anything in the peripheral data that that changes how i feel about like the eye test but here for a couple days look that play he made on the pop-up a shallow oh, fly yes. ball behind second base incredibly difficult play he ran a long way out there ended up being a game changing game saving play had a couple nice knocks for the moment uh validated you know not only his roster spot but scott harris's decision to grant him said roster spot uh don't love how it looks long term but good week for mr mckinstry no doubt 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do this once a week. You gotta give credit where, uh, where it's due. You know, so you know credit to him. And again, he was doing stuff that forced Kreider down. Also, got a shout out. Jay Hen had his first home run of the of the season. Uh, I think shout out Mark uh, Gorosh for the the scouting report. Now he can't unsee it. Is like the quick hands. The, or I think he said quick quiet mm. hands, if I remember correctly, uh, at the plate where it's just like. You know, it makes contact or whatever. So I don't know how he's doing on the field. You know, uh, there there are a lot of great people on Tigers Twitter and Tigers social media space that that cover the minors uh, that I rely on, and uh, so you guys can you know check the, them out for that. But uh, encouraging from Parker, encouraging from Jay Hen. There's there's some fun guys over there in Toledo right now. So. Uh, you know, especially the Scott Harris kind of guys like like Jay Hen. So shout out, and this week belonged to Mayton. Uh, my my wife was at a bachelorette party in Austin, and she's like texting me about all the <laughs> stupid things that these girls are doing, and I just like text her. I just like kind of interrupt the conversation. I'm like, Wolfie walk off. <laughs> <laughs> it was number one on her uh, uh on her list, by the way. So so it, it is relevant. Uh, all right, Cody, anything else you want to get into before we get out of here? That's all I got for this week. All right, let's hope for some better meteorology <laughs> reports. Let's hope for uh, uh, for me, not you, because you don't root, root, root for the home team. Let's hope for some more Tigers wins and some more great bullpen management by AJ and maybe this off day will be beneficial for some of the, some of these guys, especially Torkelson would have had the day off. I completely forgot he hadn't mm-hmm. had a day off yet, you know? So, uh, hopefully the team is refreshed and the weather is clear for tomorrow. And I want to thank everybody for subscribing to the athletics, subscribing to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, and following us on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen at Kieran underscore Steckley and at turn corner pod. Quick update on my dad. Uh, they kind of changed his trach a little bit. I don't understand it or whatever, but they kind of altered it, made it smaller or something. And he can now kind of talk in like a horsey, like, like voice or whatever. And, you know, you don't want him to talk a lot or whatever, but he can respond. He remembers things like that thing I shared on Twitter about like, you know, he's just like, Oh, Cody can talk, you know, has a lot to write about. And, you know, he remember like uh, it seems like his long term memory is good. His short term memory is still recovering, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, he's getting really restless. I walked in on Saturday to watch the game with him, and he's like trying to get out of the the, the hospital bed, and I felt like my mother. I was like, "What do you think you're doing?" You know, he's just like he just wants to go home. He wants to see the animals, you know. So he's like restless in a good way. That's the kind of attitude that's gonna oh, make that's the rehab good. go more more smoothly and all that stuff. So, uh, so yeah. So I just want to you know, again thank myself on behalf on the ha- behalf of myself and my family. Thank you for every everybody's well wishes and prayers and all that stuff. We continue to move in the right direction with that despite the fact that he is very bored right now just laying down waiting for just things to happen uh, it's, it's uh, so good so, just to hear that anywho, he's you know, awake and aware and, and talking a little bit that's you know that's awesome given the circumstance it, it sounds like it was a really positive week yes yes very much so uh I, another thing that just you know the days run together but yeah he's uh he's he's doing real well all things considered for sure all right so like I said, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for subscribing. Five star review if you feel so inclined. On the behalf of Cody Stavenhagen and myself, I want to wish everybody a very great 